Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. And welcome to another episode of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Player profiles continue. Sean Couturier, the subject of this edition of Player Profiles. What a great one to do. Boy, has he just developed into such a great player for this Flyers team. An offensive player, a great 200-foot player, and all said and done this season, he could uh, land some pretty good hardware uh, at the NHL Awards, should they have him. Uh, he'll at least get the uh, the nomination and possibly the win for the Selkie Award this season. He's been so good for this team in so many different aspects. What he brings offensively now in the last three seasons has been tremendous for the Flyers. 22 goals this season, back-to-back 76-point game seasons. And Sean Couturier will join us in just a couple of moments. Also going to talk to Bill Meltzer on the backside of this and continue the prior profile uh, element on Sean Couturier and also get into some other topics trending around the NHL as uh, more information coming out from Gary Bettman in some recent interviews, Bill Daly and others, on some possibilities on how the game could return should the uh, status of the COVID-19 pandemic allow it to uh, for the NHL and other sports leagues, whether that's going to be coming back with no more regular season, jumping right back in in, in with the playoffs, or whether the Philadelphia Flyers and these teams can, can do a playoff and will it be at a neutral site? maybe North Dakota, Saskatoon, with or without fans. We'll get into all that with Bill Meltzer as well. But right now, here's my conversation with Flyers center Sean Couturier. Happy to have joining us right now on Flyers Daily. Player profiles continue. Sean Couturier joining us right now. Coots, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yourself? Well, yeah, it's uh, we're doing as best we can. I'm trying to homeschool three kids, and I'm coming to find out pretty quickly that I suck at math. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see. <laughs> Uh, I, I think teachers should get a raise after this, after we're especially, I thought that before, but now that we're realizing what exactly they do, uh, even more so. Um, first of all, how are you handling, you know, the stay at home and, you know, self-quarantining and all that? You know, it all came down really quick for you guys and everybody else really on the road uh, when you got back from Tampa on the 13th of March. So how you doing now on the 13th of April? I'm doing all right. I mean, obviously it's starting to get pretty, pretty lonely, pretty long. Um found some new hobbies and stuff to do around the house like laundry dishwashing and, and all that that crazy stuff so uh my wife's pretty happy with that but uh i mean i'm starting to think the time is is uh slowly going by yeah you get a little bit stir crazy but um so you're doing laundry you know getting to be able to spend time with your wife at this time of year especially this year where you guys were poised to head into the playoffs and do some damage um is that a good positive thing to take away? Uh, yeah, it is uh, in one Maybe way. Maybe not for but, her. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's I don't know. It's uh, there's a lot of uncertainties with uh, what's going to happen moving forward. That's more the, the kind of the scary part. I mean she's she's pregnant, so uh, yeah. she's due this summer. So it's kind of it's kind of hard to figure out what uh, what to do here in the next few months uh, with the birth and, and everything. So, I mean, obviously now it's fun. Uh, it's nice to be together, but uh, if we restart in the middle of the summer, it might, uh, might, might complicate things. Yeah. Well, you had it timed perfectly barring this pandemic, obviously, but um, so that's a whole nother layer of concern with hospitalization with, you know, having a baby and stuff like that. Uh, what have you been doing kind of to pass time other than, you know, laundry and dishes? There's only so much of that for you guys. Uh, you know, are you, are you kind of diving into some books? Are you, 
uh, you know, watching Netflix like crazy, playing video games? What do you ha- What are you doing to pass time? Uh, I'm not really a video game guy, so I haven't really played that. I haven't uh, got around that, but uh, watching some Netflix, some, some movies, some old movies, uh, just trying to kill time, basically. Uh, doing a lot of online shopping, uh, which kind of kind of is nice with a lot of deals these days. But uh, <laughs> I mean, other than that, it's kind of kind of it's kind of boring. Uh, you know, just kind of trying to kill time most of the time. Do, do you have the baby's room ready? Yeah, yeah, we were uh, we were we were planning. Uh, everything was pretty much planned, but now uh, I mean we're we. We bought a. We live in the city right now, but we're moving out to Haddonfield next year. We just bought a house, so uh, that that kind of keeps us a little busy, kind of furnishing and and trying to, you know, move in and getting things ready for when uh, when we're going to be able to move. So uh, that's kind of what we've been doing lately. But uh, you know, other than that, there's there's so much you can do. Meanwhile. Sean, you guys, you know, you're, I, I keep referencing it that you guys were going 100 miles an hour in the middle of a season. You know, you're coming down to the final month and then the playoffs, and you guys were in a prime position playing really well, won nine of your last ten games. And then all of a sudden, boom, the, everybody locks up the brakes. You take off your skates. You haven't put them back on since. Uh, how's it been for you to kind of decompress mentally? Are you treating this like your off season right now? Uh, it is weird. Uh, I'm trying to treat it as if we're going to come back and – in a few weeks or, or at least this summer. Um, so I'm kind of just training and trying to get my, you know, keep my legs going and, and get that jump back uh, from, from when you show up in camp, uh, you know, earlier in the season. So I've been kind of working on that, but uh, it's, it's kind of tough with all the unknowns and getting ready also for the next season, which, you know, we don't know when that's going to start or, uh, so there's a lot of uh, unknown in, in the training in the training side of things, but uh, at least I'm I'm staying in shape. And you know, if ever if ever we if ever it's canceled, then I can you know take maybe you know a few weeks off and kind of decompress and and think about the next year afterwards. But for now, I'm trying to stay focused on you know we're trying to come back and just staying in shape. Uh, you know, we've heard a lot of reports. You know, the Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly has spoken on it, Gary Bettman. Uh, we've heard several of the, the players speak out about it and reports from, you know, credible news uh, people, you know, like Bob McKenzie and Elliot Friedman, that perhaps if, if this necessitates, you guys may get pushed into July, August, maybe even September uh, to get a playoff in. Uh, and then it will be a real short turnaround to an 82-game season next year. As a player, is is that something you're in favor of? Because you guys are in good position. You got a lot of unfinished business this year, and you'd like to get a crack at the cup. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're in we're in a good position. So obviously, personally, you know, I I would you know love to get the chance to you know play those playoffs and and you know see what happens. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of a lot of question marks around you know doing that late in the late in the summer and going kind of into next year, um, you know, what's going to happen with free agents, um, you know, if someone gets injured and doesn't have a contract, I, I don't know, there's a lot of a lot of question marks, you know, moving forward, um, but obviously um, I would love to, you know, get a crack at it and, and uh, you know, see what, uh, what, what would happen. You guys are, are in good position, and you know some of the scenarios are 2014 playoff fields with some play-in rounds for other teams. 
Um, is, is there a danger in the NHL jumping when they do come back after, say, a 10-day or to two-week training camp and jumping right into the playoffs? What's going to be the key for teams to have success coming out of that and jumping right into the Stanley Cup playoffs? Uh, I'm not sure, honestly. It's, it's really, uh, you know, I think everyone's kind of in the same situation. It's like, you know, first time everyone kind of experiencing this or, or having to go through this. So um, I'm really not sure kind of how to, you know, get a jump start on things. But uh, I think it's just important to, you know, stay in shape and, and uh, you know, get some get some ice time when, whenever we can uh, come back to the rink and, and uh, you know, just be ready. Um, you know, like I said, we, we might be playing in a few weeks, in a few months. Um, we don't know, so I think it's just important to stay stay ready, stay sharp, and and um, you know, if you I think if you take it easy and kind of kind of slack a little bit, that's when uh, you know you might uh, might be dangerous or might be uh, a little tougher for some guys. But I mean, I'm just trying to focus on what I can control, and um, that's just trying to stay in shape as, as much as I can. Yeah, it's a great way to live right now, considering the loss of control that we do have, but control the controllable. Um, your coach, uh, Elaine Vigneault, has been through a shortened season, a full season stoppage, and he's got that experience and came out in both of those situations well. Talk about playing for Elaine Vigneault, what that's been like for you, and Michelle Terrien and Mike Yo controlling that PK for you guys, and uh, all the success you've had with this new coaching staff. What it's been like for you uh, playing under Elaine Vigneault? Uh, it's been great. Uh, you know, can't really say anything bad. Uh, we have, you know, some, a great head coach. He's well surrounded with some some great assistant coach. Uh, you know, some some former head coaches. So a lot of experience uh, behind the bench. Um, you know, they prepare us really well every game, and and uh, you know they they're guys that kind of know the league really well with their experience and and know what they want from their players and. Um, they know how to prepare us, so uh, it's been it's been really great since uh, since the start of the year. And um, I got the chance to go to World Championship with uh, AV last year and, and had a great experience there as well. Uh, we didn't win, but uh, you know, get to know him there was was a good uh, kickstart, jumpstart, and uh, um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been awesome so far. And hopefully we can uh, you know keep building something special here and and uh, you know move forward. Sean, um, the prior two seasons, you had 76 points in each of them, 31 goals, 45 uh, assists for 76 points in 17-18. Then last year, 33, 43, and 76 again in 80 games. Um, this year, 22 goals, 37 assists, 59 points. And your name uh, you know, at the midseason point by the Professional uh, Hockey Writers Association was the winner of the Selkie. And uh, you're a guy that is on that radar again and in a prime position to land your first Selkie. Do you pay attention to those things? Uh, in season, and you know, uh, is that something that would be a nice feather in your cap? I know it's it's not a team accomplishment, but it's an individual one. Uh, no, it's not something I think about at all. I just try to focus on what I can can do to be uh, at my best and uh, the type of player I am. Obviously, I, I take pride in defense and and uh, you know being solid uh, at both ends of the ice. Um, but uh, yeah, I just try to be the best player I can be and and uh, help my team win as much as I can um, that's kind of the only thing I, I think about during the year uh, those obviously those those awards and, and honorable mentions are always nice to hear and and uh, you know great things but 
Um, like I said, it's uh, more about the team. I like to, you know, do what I can do to help the team and, and also, you know, being part of a, of a great team this year obviously, you know, helps a lot of also on, on the personal side of things. Uh, let me ask you about the addition of a certain player to, for you guys. I mean, there's been so many great additions by Chuck Fletcher, whether that's been, you know, guys like uh, Matt Niskanen or, or Braun back there on the blue line, that veteran presence to help that young uh, decor that you guys have. Uh, but a big part of it, and, you know, a guy that uh, you know when he's in a room, that's Kevin Hayes. Talk about the effect that he's had on that locker room for you and your team. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, he's an awesome guy. Uh, everybody likes him. Everybody, you know, wants to be around him. He's a fun guy to be around, and um, like you said, uh, you know when he's in the room. But you know, it's always it's always good good uh, good vibes. Uh, he's a positive guy. He's there for his teammates, and and uh, you know he, he just makes uh, makes the atmosphere fun to you know fun, and it's always you know he makes it fun to come to the rink, and um, you know guys like that, you, you they're they're uh, they're crucial in the team, and uh, we're, we're we're really happy to have them. In tense situations, a guy like that too can you know kind of cut the cut the tension a bit too. You have a few of those guys, Scott Lawton, Michael Raffle, having those guys, and you know the fact that they're good hockey players as well is great. But having those guys to cut the tension when things get a little little tight is a is a very welcome thing, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think you know in a in a team you need different types of personalities. You can't have you know twenty three serious guys all the time. Uh, you need some guys to kind of loosen things up. Uh, we, we have a few of those guys, but, you know, those guys also, you know, they, they work extremely hard when it's time to work. And, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I think we have a really special group, um, a lot of different personalities, and um, it's, uh, it's been great this year. Hopefully we can, you know, come back together and, uh, and uh, make a push in the playoffs. Sean, it, it's hard to believe that uh, you've been in Philadelphia. This is your ninth season and you've been playing here since 2011-12. Uh, you're still a young man, but you've spent a lot of time here in Philadelphia. Um, to get into the playoffs this year with a team like you feel like can really do some damage uh, in your nine years here in Philadelphia, it's incredibly important for you guys to kind of get a, get a crack at it with this group, isn't it? Well, I think so, because you never, you never really know when you're going to you know, have the same team or the same type of team. Um, obviously, you want to repeat the year after year but uh, it's easier said than done uh, my first year we had a great team a lot of a lot of big names uh, a lot of you know promise we, we lost in the second round to New Jersey and they went on to the final and uh, you know I, that was my first year so a good team here a good bunch of guys and you know moving forward it's pretty exciting and then you know nine years later we've we haven't passed the first first round so uh, you never know when you get a you know a great team, uh, you know, and good good guys, and um, so you gotta, you know, enjoy every opportunity and take uh, take advantage of them. You, you don't know when they're gonna come back. Sean, um, one of the things you've been here, you know, since you're 18 years old, you've grown up uh, as a as a professional athlete in Philadelphia. You know this fan base. You've been around it long enough to know. Um, what's it been like for you? Nine years in Philadelphia, uh, of you know, kind of really turning from you know a young man into an adult here. I mean, you mentioned earlier your wife's pregnant. You know, you're moving out to the burbs. You're doing the whole thing. You're getting a little white picket fence. You're doing laundry. You're, you know, you're doing dishes. What's it been like? You know, kind of coming of age here in Philadelphia for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's been great. It's kind of like my second home. Um, you know, we're always excited to you know. It's, it's nice to go home in the summer, but we're also uh, 
really uh, at one point during in the middle of the summer we're like oh we missed Philly and it, it, you know it's, it's, we can't wait to go come back so uh, we love it here uh, like you said uh, when I was 18 I was living at Danny Breer he, he helped me a lot uh, to grow up and and taught me how to do laundry my first year and and uh, here I am nine years later now uh, you know just maturing and and uh, yeah just getting older slowly slowly getting older yeah, well, that's the key, man. Uh, don't, don't let it happen to you like it's happened to me at 48 years old. Um, and I know you're returning the favor with some of the young guys you got now as well. I mean, you got some good young talent on this team, guys like Joel Farabee. And, you know, you look at, uh, you know, some of those defensemen that I alluded to earlier, Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim, Phil Myers. And, you know, you look at your goaltender, Carter Hart. It's fun to kind of return the favor now that you, you're kind of the sage veteran, although you're still a young man. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm, I'm still young, uh, you know not that old 27 so um but you know i've been around for for a while now and kind of know the league pretty well and you know know what you can do i just try to try to be a good example for younger guys coming in and and kind of show the way by example um like you said we have a lot of promising uh young prospects um you know guys already having big impacts on our our team and organization so um, yeah, those guys are gonna gonna grow, get better, get uh, stronger, and um, you know you wanna you wanna leave uh, a good example for them to kind of learn, and uh, that's just what I'm trying to do. Well, you're doing a good job of it, Sean, both on and off the ice. Um, try and stay sane during this uh, quarantine. Everybody wants to see you and your teammates and everybody in the game back on the ice. And at the appropriate time, we're all hoping that's going to happen rather sooner than later. We appreciate you joining us here on Flyers Daily. Best of luck. Stay healthy. Um, stay healthy for your wife and that unborn baby that you got coming. It's a beautiful thing, man. And uh, we appreciate you joining us as always. Yeah, thanks for having me. Special thanks to uh, Sean Couturier for joining us here on Flyers Daily. And uh, to continue with his player profile, we now bring in from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, HockeyBuzz.com, the one and only Bill Meltzer joins us here on Flyers Daily. Billy, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jason. How about yourself? Man, I'm hanging in. I, I got to tell you, though, Bill, I am missing me some hockey lately. It is. I got an itch, and I got nothing. I can't reach the – I can't scratch it. I, I've just about exhausted classic games myself, so you know it would be it would be sure nice to have some games. That's for sure. Well, everybody just heard that interview with Sean Couturier, so let's start there real quick before we get into some other things. The player profile episode of Sean Couturier, boy, the player that he's developed into, Bill, is just so great. And you know, you look back sometimes, you go, the trades that we make in sports sometimes are what charts a course. And sometimes it's the trades you don't make that chart the course. And Couturier is one of those guys that, you know, a lot of people maybe didn't recognize his full game until a couple of years ago when he went to Dave Haxtell and said, I want to be put in a more prominent offensive role. And ever since then, he's not only been a really good player for the Flyers, but he's one of the the really good players in the entire NHL. Sure. He, he's always been one of the best two-way centers in the league. I mean, the defensive game has been there since he was 18 years old. You know, he, he's always been a, a good shutdown guy. And, you know, the thing with the offensive side of his game, and I said this, you know, really for years, was there were always hints of it. You know, as a as a rookie, he had a, a five-game goal streak. And then year some years after that, when he would get 
get the right line mates on his line. And he played with Braden Shen a couple of times. And he'd have stretches of nine points in 10 games or, or 14 points in 16 games or whatever it was. You know, and then there would be there would be, be the droughts too because he wasn't getting the power play time necessarily. He was, you know, really in a strictly shutdown role. But there were there were always hints, and not just not just his junior success. There were always hints he, that he that he had the offensive ability if he just, would just stay healthy, play with the right line mates, get some power play time, those kind of things. And then two years ago, we really you know we really saw with that first thirty goal season and another thirty goal season last year, and this year too. I mean, the the goal pace is a little bit behind he has 22 goals but um you know but just a very complete season and i would be it would be a miscarriage of justice from you know from my point of view if, if he doesn't finally win the selkie he was a finalist two seasons ago i think this is his year to win it yeah that seems there's a lot of momentum in that regard bill that he's the guy that's gonna you know win his first selkie uh in his ninth year in the nhl it's it's hard to believe and i asked him about it that he he's been in the league nine years he's still a young man at 27 years old and he's nine years in Philadelphia. That's that's pretty crazy to even almost comprehend at this point, isn't it? It, it really is. And you go back to, I mean, his, his rookie year was that 2011-12 season, right? And um, look at, you know, the whole roster is pretty much turned over other than other than Giroux and Voracek in that time. And and he's been one of those guys all those years. And as you said, I mean, he's still just right in the prime of his career right now. So, you know, it, it's... Um, I mean, it's, of course, the product of coming to the league at age 18. It feels like he's been around forever, but as you said, he's still a young man. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, for them to get him where they got him in the draft, um, probably because he got mono in his draft year is really why they were able to pick him uh, in that first round, eighth overall. Absolutely. You know, going going into that season, he was the consensus first overall pick. And as you said, he had mono that year, and – you know, it cost him considerable amount, considerable amount of time, and and he he fell under the under that top two three category where there were there were a lot of good players in that draft. You go back and you know look at some of the some of the guys that were were up in the top end of the draft that year. And I mean, listen, you know, the had the Flyers not made that Jeff Carter trade to uh, to Columbus and got that first round pick, you know, they they wouldn't have been able to get him. And um, it, it's just been a you know, as you said, sometimes it's the trades you make, and sometimes the trades you don't make. It, it was, it was a, a uh, franchise shifting trade to get not just the pick that they used for him, but also Voracek came to the Flyers in that trade as well. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Simmons in the other part of that deal with uh, Mike Richards and right. Braden Shen. Exactly, Shen and and um, and uh, Wayne Simmons came came to the Flyers in that same trade. You know, and it, it um, I mean, it was, it was a franchise shifting thing. And, and even though, even though the team success wasn't necessarily there in terms of the players they got for, you know, the value they got from the players they acquired and the, the young players they acquired, I mean, they, the Flyers certainly did well on both of those trades. And then, as you said, just hanging with Couturier, you know, through his development to where he's become a really top end player. And the funny thing is, you know, when the uh, all star voting was, uh, near being finalized you know we were talking a lot about how you know Couturier's never made an all-star team even through his couple 30 goal seasons and and Jake Voracek brought up a great point he said you know it doesn't matter if uh Couturier's never won an award in the league he's never been an all-star every player in the league who plays against him knows he's he's an elite opponent to play against very hard to play against and, and a really top player in this league so I mean that's he certainly has the respect of his peers even though uh 
you know, and like hopefully he wins the Selkie this year, even though it would be, you know, his first hardware. And, you know, again, he's never, never played an all-star game, but I, I think, I think everybody who follows the flyers with in the league with any, with any um, regularity knows what a valuable player that he is. Yeah. And a lot of times players will say that the, the guys that I play with and I play against, they're the opinion that really matters to me. It's not fan per se or media per se. Um, those are the guys that have to deal with me on the ice and Billy, I mean, this year, he goes into the, the second half of his six-year contract. And, I mean, I don't know that there's a deal in the NHL that may be better for what you get than a $4.3 million cap hit uh, for a player like Sean Couturier for the next three years. No, I mean, he's clearly, for his value to the team, for the amount of minutes that he plays, for the difficulty of the matchups that, that he handles brilliantly most of the time, you know, they're he might be the most underpaid player in the league for what you get relative to what you're paying. He's like the polar opposite of Bobby Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, And not only that, but he's uh, developed into a a great man too. You know, as you mentioned, coming here at 18, he's got a pregnant wife. Now, as you heard in the interview there, uh, he's doing laundry and he's doing dishes and helping out his pregnant wife. So we can appreciate that. You know, I'm doing a little of that around here too. So yeah, it's been, you know, it's been, it's fun when you get to watch a player grow up in your city, you know, and, and remembering, remembering Sean as a, as a young player in this league he was very shy. You know, he was, uh, you know, st- still a really good young hockey player, but you know, not, not part of the leadership group at that, that point in time. And you've seen him, you've seen him grow into a leader by example. And also one of those guys, he's not, you know, he's not a super vocal guy, but, but he's a guy who. When he speaks up, everybody listens because they know what he brings on a game in and game out, day in and day out basis. And, and you know, look at what he brought in that playoff series against Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. Does that series get almost to a game seven without Couturier and Couturier playing through a pretty serious knee injury at the time too, which was, you know, one of the, one of the most gutsy performances I've seen in, in playoff hockey in a, in a long period of time. I mean, he's he's absolutely the real deal on the ice, off the ice, in the locker room. You know, there's, um, you know, I, it's it's hard to put enough su- enough superlatives on what a fantastic player he's been and what what he means to this hockey team. If you had to pick one indispensable player for the team, you know, it's hard because you know there's Giroux, there's there's Provorov. I mean, you could you could make a you can make a very convincing case that Katoria is is the team's most valuable player, and if. Uh, you know, the for the Bobby Clark Trophy this year, I, to me, to me, he's the no-brainer winner this particular season. Yeah, it's well said. I've said that often that he he may not be the the most talented player per se, um, but he's the most important player for the team and their team success, and he's all about that. Uh, Bill, let's get into a couple other things real quick. Um, Gary Bettman, in an appearance on CNN with Anderson Cooper, um, had some things to say, including the fact that he believes that NHL players need two to three weeks to return to game shape. I was thinking like 10 days, maybe to 14, uh, when if they do return, would be more of what's in order. But um, three weeks uh, sounds like a long time, but, th- th- you know, there's concerns. You don't want players coming back and jumping into the playoffs and, you know, start pulling muscles and tearing, tearing yeah. up knees and those kind of things. Um, but you c- could the teams conceivably have a training camp and, you know, in non-perfect situations and kind of quarantine themselves to get through that period? I mean, I, I think that that's that, that's the the big question here to to be able to do that, get through that period of time, you know, get into the playoffs with 
you know, as healthy as you, you are the quarantine period right now. Right. Um, I, I think that kind of time frame is necessary. It's something that, uh, that Bundy wrote about last week on, on the flyer site on, in his Terrian's take that there's two different kinds of conditioning. There's general fitness and there's, there's game conditioning. And, you know, uh, barring, barring somebody having a, some kind of a serious knee injury or something, these guys have been off the ice for a month already. And it's going to be at least several more weeks, you know, quite conceivably longer than that until they, they're able to get back on the ice again and start training. And then, then there's a lot of susceptibility to groin pulls, other soft tissue injuries, you know, sports hernias, as you said, knees, you know, it, it's, uh, it's hard. You can't just go zero to 60. So I, I do think that a, a training camp setting of a couple of weeks, at least 14 days, I mean, I, I don't think there's any two ways around it. So as long as they can conduct it in some kind of a safe way, whenever that point would be, um, I, I think that's, that would be a necessity before they can play games again. And then, you know, that, that unfortunately pushes back when games would be able to be played again, whether that would be regular season or going right into the postseason. And Batman has said, uh, not, just, not just last night, but in previous occasions, that I mean, ideally, they would like to finish the regular season. It may not be feasible. They're they're going to try to, you know, come up with the the most feasible solution. Um, and, and the thing is, is that everything, of course, is still in a holding pattern. When can they, when can they reopen rinks? When can they get players back here? You know, the building availability. I mean, there's there's a whole lot of moving parts that um, you can't even begin moving around until, you know, until the uh, pandemic is at a point where they can reopen facilities and, and really go full speed ahead in, in trying to plan a restart to the season or postseason. Yeah. And one of the other things he had to say, and I'll read his quote for you, said all the leagues are basically focused on the same thing. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation that we're going to play in neutral sites like North Dakota and a variety of other places in North America. The fact is when you're in the position that all of us are in, you have to be prepared to relaunch when the opportunity presents itself, which means you have to not rule out any conceivable alternative and be prepared for every one, even if some of them ultimately turn out to not be very realistic. Now, that's been a lot of the scuttlebutt, too, that neutral sites um, without fans, obviously, uh, could be in the calling card as well. Uh, North Dakota, Grand Forks, North Dakota has been mentioned. Saskatoon has as well, Bill. Um, do you believe that if they do come back, it's more likely they come back without fans than with fans? Yeah, uh, just just because that's a whole other, I mean, that's a whole other issue, right? When when could buildings be open for large gatherings again? And I, I think in, in certain, you know, in certain markets, like uh, let's take the New York Islanders, for example, right? The situation in New York, I mean, they're, they're going to want to proceed with, with caution. And if they're going to be able to play games, I, I, I don't see it being, you know, something, something that's going to be conceivable in the next couple of months, even to be able to play in front of fans again. And so if there's a restart to the season or, or postseason. I mean, I think I think the neutral site possibility has to be on the table because I don't you know, I don't know how feasible it's going to be. And it's also going to be market to market. It, it in some ways solves some problems. If you are playing neutral site games, you know, you're looking at, at those venues rather than, OK, what is the situation in, in each geographic location of every team, particularly if you're expanding the playoffs? I, I don't know how any of that would work. Bill, one of the things um you have to consider is would there be an asterisk next to the cup if it was played in a neutral site and without fans? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, to me, there's more of an asterisk if uh, the playoffs are significantly shortened. If you're playing best of three series, for example, right. 
that then it's uh then it's a little bit more questionable um i mean it, it would certainly hurt the atmosphere of the games and just just the length of pause between when the season was uh you know put on hold and when we restart um you know many players have said that you really can't carry that momentum for that that long a period of time everyone kind of starts out on equal footing again um in terms of number of games in regular season i mean listen you've had two stanley cups in 48 game seasons i don't see any asterisks next to the devil's stanley cup i don't see one you know for for 2013 either so i mean i i think that um you know the the number of games in the regular season if, if it ends if they end up having to curtail to this point that doesn't that doesn't change anything from my point of view but i but i do think that how you know how relatively complete of a playoffs you can have you know that that to me does um affect the legitimacy of it to, to at least to some degree yeah Bettman also went on to say when we'll have an opportunity to return depends on things we have absolutely no control over because it all starts with everybody's health and well-being. He said, until there's this sense that people can get together, not just to fill our arenas, but even for our players to get together to work out, we don't know when we can come back. Um, the conjecture has been out there, Bill, that they would consider playing a play, starting a playoff in August and September. You and I have talked about it. Um, then having the month of all, or October off to reset the league year, hold a draft, have free agency get uh, teams into camp and start the season early November, presumably maybe November 1st or 5th, and then run the next 82-game schedule and playoff all the way to the end of June. Is that something that's feasible in your opinion? It would be feasible if they um, eliminated teams by week, got rid of the All-Star game. Teams would be playing a lot of four games and six nights. You know, it, it would be a, a very compacted schedule. Um, is it doable? I, I think it's doable. Um, I think it's a very short off season, though. And um, you know, one of the one of the concerns that I have at the end of every postseason, there's always a list of players who were, you know, surgery. I mean, not everybody needs surgery, but there are there are there are almost every every team has a surgery list of several players. Well, if the next season is starting, you know, within two months, then uh, you know, players might postpone those, might postpone it again. And, yeah, like a cleanup or on your knee or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's always guys who are just putting that off until the season is over. Um, and then also just a typical off season. Most players take off, you know, at least a couple of weeks. Some take off as much as a month, uh, go back into their training routine, and then they start skating again. I mean, it's going to be a very compacted off season training regimen. Not, not that it can't be adjusted to. Not that it's it's not doable or not feasible, but it it's uh, be a lot of hockey in a uh, you know over over an about eleven month period, and I mean that's uh, you know we all we all want hockey, but I mean I I think that that is something that in addition to the revenue side, they also have to look at the the long term implication of you know are you are you ready to run another marathon again in a in a short period of time, and um, you know I mean I'm not the one that can answer that question, but I mean I I do think that that's if they can work through those issues, then I then it might be feasible. Yeah, the thing about it too is, you know, you look at it and you know, look what's it going to do for the development of some players too. You know, some younger players in the NHL that are looking to make a big jump year to year. They go into an off season with a plan. Hey, here's what we want you to get better at. Think about the goalie situation. You know, goaltenders are testing out new equipment in an off season, and you're really not going to have the time to be able to do those kind of things. 
Um, you know, goalies are really particular about their equipment. I'm sure you've heard, Bill. And they put it through the paces to determine whether they're going to wear them at that level. You might have goalies in, in uh, a year-old setup uh, going into the next year if that's the case. But it could well, definitely sure. affect, you know, the development. And also, yeah, and also, you know, players, as you said, they set off-season goals. and might be putting on five pounds of muscle or, or whatever the case might be. I mean, it's going to be a, with, a, with a shortened off-season. Um, even players working with their personal trainers and those kind of things, you know, just um, – you know, it, it would definitely, it would definitely be a some sacrifices to be made. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too, Bill, is one thing that's been bandied about. And I want to get your thoughts on this: is, you know, if the cap does not go up, or you know, they're not able to get in uh, the rest of this regular season or playoff or anything, and God forbid the cap were to go down, a lot of teams are in a really precarious situation. I look at the Rangers; it's a prime example. The trade deadline, they didn't trade Chris Kreider; they signed him to a deal. Uh, with basically thinking that the cap was going to be X number of dollars. And it's not. And one of the things that the league has kind of been talked about or been reported about is perhaps a, a compliance buyout. Um, do you see that as a viable let somebody off the hook uh, scenario for the NHL? Well, I mean, I, I think that's partially up to the owners and, and the Gary Bettman. I mean, Gary Bettman tends not to like seeing that system change much and, and how much does a buyout count against the, the total league upper limit. And, you know, there's the, the escrow piece. I mean, listen, the, you know, besides the hockey part of it, there, there's very much a, there's very much a revenue part of it and, and a salary cap part of it for next season that that's in everybody's consideration here. Um, yeah. I mean, if the cap goes down, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of teams in trouble. Think of, look at how many teams this season ended up being the flyers being one of them that we're relying on on long-term injured reserve allowance to be able to be a cap compliant. Look at what Toronto did this year oh. where they, they, they had to, how much space did they, did they create for themselves through acquiring player after player who they know who they knew was never, never going to play guys who that have had career ending injuries, but are not officially retired, you know? And, and um, you know, I mean, I, I don't even, I mean, they, that, that was some feat they pulled off and, and um, you know, I mean, that's, I don't know how sustainable that is and how, you know, and then also when you have, um, at the end of the season, when you have bonuses paid out, those overages count against teams caps for next year. So that's yeah. even less cap space for teams that are, you know, running to overages because of bonuses. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of figuring out on that side. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a capologist or a, a math person per se. But, I mean, I do know there's going to be a lot of maneuvering to be able to figure all of that out. And that's a very complicated, you know, puzzle piece to, to put in place. Well, the good news is, is that the PA and uh, the ownership groups and, and the league are talking a lot. Um, last thing, Bill, you're, if they don't play again this year or even if they do and, well, a guy like Nolan Patrick doesn't play, how do you approach this restricted free agent in the offseason? Yeah, I mean that's uh, that. That to me is a a more complicated piece of the puzzle than uh, you know. People have talked about the expansion draft for next year. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, that's and, another compliance buyout trickle down too. By the way, yeah, you buy a guy, you can't protect another guy that you want to protect. Correct, exactly. That's a, that's another piece of it. And you know, I mean, we're obviously all pulling for Nolan to get back on the ice and to play. Um, it, you know, it, it's. Um, Depending on Nolan's situation and Oscar Lindblom's situation, 
there is an exemption for players who have career-threatening injuries. So if we're still talking about the same situation with Nolan and, and Oscar a year from now, and again, hopefully not, uh, the Flyers would not have to protect either guy in the in the expansion draft just because of you know the career-ending possibility of their situations that they're dealing with. But um, how do you approach it this offseason? I mean, I, I, I think that um, in Nolan's case, I mean, they'll obviously both guys will get qualifying offers. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that one potential way to go about it would be a, kind of a, a bridge deal, you know, um, see how it goes over the next year or two. And then then you would look long term. Um, just, just because of the uncertainty that's involved. I mean, if Nolan would have been able, or may still be able, who knows, to come back this season, you know, then you're looking at a different situation where you might want to go a little longer term and, um, you know, a little give and take on both sides, a lot, you know, security, but a little price certainty as well. Right now, I think, I think you're looking at a, at a bridge deal, one, two year situation, then you re- reevaluate. Yeah, well, it's certainly one of those compelling trickle-down effects of this entire thing, and, and, and like you said, too, and in a league that might be have, have a lower cap, too, that complicates it even further. And right now, I'm, I'm of the mindset going, you know, I really don't want to offer teams to get out of jail free card right now, like the Flyers used so flawlessly on Ilya Brizgalov all those years ago. Um, I, you know, I don't want to let a team off the hook for some of their bad deals because I look at this Flyers team and I go, well, who am I going to buy out? You know, who's the guy that I'm going to buy out? Because, you know, I I don't see a pain point there, even though they're, you know, snug against the cap bill. But I don't see, yeah. you know, where I'm going. I'm, I, I got to get rid of this guy. No. He I, either makes way too much money for what he's worth or whatever. He's not tradable. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't have, you know, I mean, in an ideal world, they wouldn't want to buy out someone like Ben Reams, like, but. It, you know, that's a potential candidate if you're in a situation where you just can't get cap compliant mm-hmm. just because he's in his thirties now and the number of the amount of term that's left on his deal. But then, I mean, then you're opening, you know, then, then you're looking for another scoring winger. So it's yeah, uh, creating a hole. <laughs> you're, you're creating, you're creating a hole to solve a cap problem. So, I mean, it, it's, uh, it certainly is not ideal. It, it's, um, you know, I, I don't know. And, and does the league and the PA try to try to seek some kind of long-term renegotiation of the CBA too, while they're taking care of this? Who knows? I mean, that that creates uh, a whole other, that opens up a whole other can of worms. But um, yeah, I mean, I I think that it's um, again, I'm, I'm glad those aren't our, <laughs> I'm glad those aren't our problems to solve. Yeah, and it'd be interesting too because all the guys that got bought out all over the league that were making too much money, and now they're all on the market and they're getting paid already from the team that just bought him out and maybe you can sign a guy to a young, to a, to a lower money deal. I'm just trying to think this through. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. So if, the, if this team bought out this guy, now he's available. I only got to pay him a million because he got, just got bought out for 8 million, you know? <laughs> yeah. You don't, I mean, of course, you know, you gotta, you have to be really, really careful with that. You don't want to end up in another Vinny LeCavalier situation where, I mean, you know, at one, at one point Vinny was getting paid by several teams, you know, and, four and, at uh, one point, wasn't it? Correct. Yep. Four one time. So, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to be one of those four. Boy, boy that guy could run a, a, a four or five 40 yard dash because he was running it to get to the mailbox on payday. I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. The other thing, too, is, you know, when you look at that with Le Cavalier, it's funny because the reason why he was brought here, my understanding, Bill, was that Peter Laviolette really wanted him. He was here for three games, I think, with Lavi. <laughs> 
Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about that sometime. I always thought that was a, an odd fit anyway, because Lavi has that aggressive attacking system, really skating yep. oriented. But and by that point, Vinny couldn't skate anymore. So well, I, I, yeah, yeah, right. He couldn't move anymore for this league and the, the way so much speed in it. And the funny thing is, is that Laviolette. We scheduled twenty Peter Laviolette shows uh, on the Fanatic when I when I was there for that year. Right. We did right. one, and he got canned the next day. <laughs> Lavi's Sorry, Lavi. One <laughs> radio be... show with me and Bundy, and you're out of here, brother. <laughs> yeah, like Lavi land on his feet. He's 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 a good good coach. You know his track record speaks for itself. But I I always thought that um, even even had Lavi stayed here, that the fit with the Cavalier was was an odd one. Yeah, totally agree. Hey, Bill, thanks for doing this, man. Player profiles continue. We'll have Derek Grant on Friday. Keep reading Bill's stuff uh, at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and Hockey Buzz as well. Bill, stay safe and stay healthy for me. You too, Jason. Thanks to Bill Meltzer. Thanks to Sean Couturier. Player profiles will continue on Friday's episode of Flyers Daily, and we'll take a look at one of those trade deadline acquisitions by Chuck Fletcher, Derek Grant. We'll talk uh, about his season with the Philadelphia Flyers and, of course, Anaheim as well and what he brings to this team should they be a team that uh, gets to use his services for the NHL playoffs. Plus, we'll bring you the latest news and notes as they become more available and what people are talking about and what's trending around the NHL. Everybody, thanks for listening. Stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next time on Flyers Daily.